Objects, said philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre, should not touch because they are not alive. You use them, put them back in place, you live among them, they are useful, nothing more. But they touch me, it's unbearable. I'm afraid of being in contact with them as though they were living beasts. After using my mum's old Tupperware containers as grief therapy after she passed away a few years ago, I became fascinated at how and why such a simple piece of plastic could hold so much emotion for me. How could these objects touch me so deeply? So I became overtaken with wonder at how my use of objects owned, used and cherished by her could be so powerful and therapeutic. Why do we invest so much in things? How could a basic, empty plastic container, a mere tool, make us so happy? And surely, in a world crowded with waste, disposability, materialism and hyper-consumerism, investing meaning in objects, in stuff, is part of the problem. And Tupperware, I mean, it's just an empty plastic container bound for landfill, right? Or is it a container of fascinating intergenerational stories? Well, I'm on the road to discovering the answers to these questions, plus a whole world of stories about us. Women, men, people, children, community, food, family, friendship, empowerment, and more. So Sartre, it seems, was onto something. Objects just aren't objects. My name is Megan Spencer, and this is Auspicious Plastic, a podcast. Originally from New Zealand, Vanessa Allingham has been living in Berlin for the last couple of years and Europe for a little bit longer. We met at a writers group in Berlin and the day we speak is the day before her 27th birthday. It's also not long after the digital native has published a real life magazine called Nunsen, themed around immigrants and immigration. Thanks for talking to me for Auspicious Plastic. I'm excited to be here. I'm a listener. <laughs> That's so nice. It's an honor. <laughs> so I'm, I'm here today because I'm curious about what your precious object might be, Vanessa. Well, it's probably going to seem a little bit egotistical. It's the magazine that I've made. So how long has it taken for you to realize this project? I first had the idea for a magazine about migration when I first moved to Berlin, which was four years ago. I haven't been working on this magazine for four years, but it's been sitting there as an idea for a few years. Um, and we started work pretty seriously in March, um, working with a designer and a small team of contributors, and the magazine came out in August. So, yeah, about five months. So what was that moment like for you when you finally got a box of these turning up on your doorstep and you unpacked it and you saw this object fully realised after, well, months of work, but also years of dreaming about it. Yeah, it was really exciting. I went to the storage department where we're keeping the magazines and it's a company that helps us ship out the magazines. It was in this industrial bit of the city I'd never been to with this woman I'd never met, but she knew it was a big moment. I guess she's been there with a lot of magazine makers who've opened their first issue and it was really exciting to hold. I think the first thing was I was really happy with the cover paper. It has this texture that we chose specifically because it feels a bit like the texture on a passport. And I was really happy with that. And it smelt great. It looked great. But yeah, then I carried this box of magazines down to the bus stop to wait for the bus to take them home. And yeah, I was feeling pretty chuffed with myself. <laughs> I think it's interesting that you've chosen to make 
a magazine, like an old, oldie-fashioned magazine with on paper, uh, printing. Um, it's something you can hold. It's something you can put in your bag and take out into the world with you when you're on the U-Bahn, the, this train here, you can read it. Um, I mean, I know we can do that with our mobile devices, but I think there's something very special about keeping an object with you and dipping in and dipping out of it. Tell me what your feeling is around this notion of an object such as this magazine. Yeah, I I read a lot of magazines myself, a lot of independent ones, and the beauty for me is that they're collectible. You know, if you buy a magazine from the supermarket, maybe you'll throw it out in a couple of months or something. Uh, But these ones I don't throw out, and I know that other readers don't either. And so, yeah, for me, I knew it would be much cheaper and much quicker to make an online magazine about migration. Uh, but I really wanted it to be in paper because I think it's a lot more of a personal experience and our whole concept is that we're introducing people to one migrant per issue. We really want them to feel like they're sitting down for a cup of tea or a coffee with that subject and getting to know them. And so I think it works for our concept, but it's also, yeah, it just feels lovely. And you're kind of, we're sitting in your office, at your home office at your desk here is in front of a big window with lots of light coming in and you're surrounded by piles of magazines and I don't mean in some kind of hoarding fashion in a basement (laughs) but these are quite tall piles so you clearly cherish not just literature but the object of the book is that a fair thing to say yeah I think so um and I go back to them I know I've had friends say like Vanessa you're gonna throw some of those out right but I'm really not I mean, it's easier for me to say because now I'm also a magazine maker that these are really good reference material, but there's also stories in there that I love and I can, yeah, I can remember which stories are in which magazines and I go and get them out and have a read sometimes. Um, Yeah, they're really special to me. So what's your relationship with reading like and stories and, and literature? I read a lot more magazines than I do books. Um, Not because I don't like books, but I think... Yeah, magazines is what I've always been into. That's the kind of writing I do, and now I'm making my own one. So I read a lot to see what else is out there. Maybe it also has something to do with shortened attention spans in our generation. Um, Because you call yourself a digital native, don't you? Yeah, I guess so. And maybe that makes it even more ironic that I'm making this print object. Uh, But I think like a lot of people who make these magazines and read them, um, it feels like a break from reading online and the constant uh, input yeah I think reading online feels like work if that's also the same laptop that you do your work on then it starts to feel all a bit the same so when I get away from the laptop and go over there and sit on my couch with a magazine it does feel like a proper break Um, do you get comfort from sitting down with a magazine I think so especially some magazines that are really special to me like I grew up reading Frankie magazine I always found that comforting because they talk in a way that's pretty friendly, uh, pretty relatable, quite funny, but also sincere. And I think that's what uh, magazines can do really well, that they, yeah, a really great magazine knows its community well and what that voice sounds like and what people will relate to. And they, they, magazines can also create community around that. And so when I was a teenager and at university reading Frankie magazine, there weren't any other women's magazines that sounded like that or felt like that or that existed that sounded like me and my friends. So reading that felt good coming of age, but also after moving over to Europe, getting my subscription every month that my mum gave me for Christmas, 
It felt like home. With Nansen, are you hoping to create a similar kind of community around this little object that you're sending out into the world with its stories? Yeah, because that's what I think the best possible function of magazines is to create a world and a community that lives in it um, and to uh, create a community for because people belong to multiple communities, uh, but there aren't magazines about all of them. You know, creating this sense of belonging and engagement and relatability between readers and subjects, that's what I enjoy most about magazines and that's what we want to create too. You're listening to Auspicious Plastic, a podcast about precious objects, why we love them and the stories behind them. My guest is Vanessa Ellingham, a young writer from New Zealand and the publisher and editor of Nunson, a new magazine about immigrants and migration. Featuring one immigrant per issue, its publication is timely. The federal election in Germany has just taken place, the results having largely been decided around the issue of immigration and Chancellor Angela Merkel's generous refugee policy towards those displaced by war and seeking asylum in Central Europe. Frankie magazine, this is not. So why Nansen? Why a magazine about immigration? I first had the idea for a magazine about migration when I'd just moved to Berlin, but I'd been living in Denmark for a year before I came to Berlin, and it hadn't gone that well for me. I mean, like lots of people who move to new places, you have to work really hard to find a job and find friends and try and fit in, and I'd found that quite difficult. Um, And I'd also, I'd been volunteering at a refugee camp there where I'd met some other people who were new to Denmark and also struggling to fit in, in totally different circumstances. But it made me think about um, the things that we did have in common and um, that even though we had come in totally different circumstances and were living in different places, or them in a camp and me in an apartment, um, that we still had quite a lot in common in terms of trying to find our way and that there was a lot of solidarity to be found there. So when I came to Berlin and was again starting my life again in a new place, uh, it made me think about all the people that were doing that and... um, yeah, what what connects us and what stories we would have to share together and relate to. So who did you choose for the first issue of Nansen? The first issue centres on Aiden Akin. He's 78 years old and uh, 49 years ago he moved from Turkey to Germany. So he's been here for almost half a century and I love talking to him because I've been here for four years and he's been here for 49 years. So hearing from someone who's a very long time migrant, I think is really interesting to a lot of our readers who might have just been on the move for a couple of years or thinking about making their first move. Uh, But what's really interesting about Aiden is what he's dedicated his life to and that's migrant rights in Germany. Um, For the last 12 years, he's been making a daily endurance protest where he cycles across the city uh, from his home to his work but he takes a particularly long drawn out route through almost all of Berlin's major neighborhoods to draw attention to his protest. So he's on his bike for three hours in the morning and three hours at night. He's covered in these um, protest uh, placards or a a sandwich board really. He's got two megaphones, one blasts that football chant ole 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 And the other one blasts a chant where he demands voting rights for everyone. And he also blows a whistle. It's a combination of sounds that he's very carefully put together to draw maximum attention to his protest. 
What he's demanding is the right for migrants in Germany to be able to vote after a certain period of time because although he's lived here for 49 years, he doesn't have the right to vote on the people that represent him and make decisions in his everyday life. And that's because in Germany, in order to have the right to vote, you have to be a citizen. But um, dual citizenship isn't available to most kinds of migrants, so he would have to give up his Turkish citizenship in order to gain those rights, and he's not willing to do that. And that's the same for at least 8 million migrants in Germany, a lot of people. So he's protesting on behalf of all of them, and yeah, he's been doing that for 12 years. It's very interesting because you and I are sitting together on the 26th of September doing this interview. And yesterday in Germany, the 25th of September, was a federal election. So he couldn't have voted in that, could he? No, and that was the 11th election since he's lived in Germany that he's observed but hasn't been able to vote in. And that's totally frustrating to him. What's the nicest thing someone said to you about Nansen so far, um, you know, content-wise, but maybe even aesthetically or, or, you know, holding it in their hand and and reflecting on it? Uh, We're trying to, if you've never been to Berlin or you're not a Turk in Berlin, we want to give you an overall sense of what that's like, both visually but also through the stories. But when you're trying to patch together something like that, you can't be totally sure that you've you've got everything together. And so um, hearing from people that they really got a sense of what that's like and what the street looks like, what the food looks like, who the people are, um, getting a, a like a, a full picture of that. Uh, that that's been really great feedback because that's what we'd hoped. I mean, we've also had lovely feedback about people reading the magazine and reflecting on their own migration experiences, and that's been really lovely too. You mentioned earlier that you wanted to make Nansen a collectible magazine and you're a collector of magazines as I can see us um, sitting in amongst them here in a good way because <laughs> I like to collect things too especially magazines but the idea of collectability is to do with the preciousness of something that you I guess attach to it and you don't want to throw it away it's not just disposable so what, what are your um, what are your ideas around collectability and, and how that fits in with the magazine I guess because we make one the, each issue is about one person so you'll know that this is the issue about Aiden or this is the issue about Vanessa or about Megan. That's pretty nice and something that people can go back to or flick back in. You know, maybe if you're traveling to the place where that issue is about, you might have a look and find out a bit more. So I think that would be a reason for keeping the magazine. What makes you keep your magazines? Is it to do with memory and um, associations with certain things, do you think? Yeah, like I said before, uh, there are certain stories that I want to go back to, textual ones, but also visual ones with beautiful photography or illustration that I like to refer back to and keep. But they all also are about a place and time because they're not a book, a singular book. They're, you know, issue 74 of Monocle magazine, but when I read it, I remember that I was on holiday in this beach that time and some nice memories. Or, you know, if you're reading about something political, you can look back and say, oh, yeah, that's what was happening at that time. I remember that. I think that's really interesting. But although it would be great if some people collected Nansen magazine, we're also okay with them like losing it on the bus and then somebody else gets to read it or like keeping it in the toilet or whatever because that is where people really read magazines and you know, as much as I'm a collector, I know that not everybody who buys them is like that and, and that's cool too because they can get passed on or yeah, be something that you, you read for 10 minutes and then forgot about for half a year and then you found it down the back of the couch and then you had another go at it and that's also fine. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's that's how magazines are designed, that you can dip in and out of them, and we designed our magazine like that too. That's lovely. Well, look, I'll finish up with uh, one more idea about a precious object, and I think I'm sitting on one right now. I'm sitting on a lovely chair with a lovely rug, and I found this lovely precious object which is you you describe it for us Vanessa is there a story attached to this beautiful woolen object yeah when you said earlier that the magazine might be my most precious object I thought no I'm pretty sure this is (laughs) this is Larry Larry's a lamb a soft toy knitted out of wool he was knitted by my auntie Denise before I was born so he was there before I was born and he's been everywhere with me. So you're turning 27 tomorrow. Yep. So he's been with you for 27 years. Yeah. Um, he's pretty loved in my family and wider friends of family. Um, my best friend Charlotte, her mum has stitched up Larry's neck a few times. Like the time that I put him through the washing machine or something. He didn't come out so well out the other side. Yeah, he's also had major reconstructive surgery on one side of his face because he was leeching, like, um, stuffing for a while. But yeah, Larry's been everywhere. I lost him in a hotel once when I was 18, and it was probably a bit too embarrassing that how upset I was, but they found him in the laundry centre and sent him back to me. And yeah, he's um, he's been there for five heart surgeries that I've had I'm pretty sure they tricked me and they actually took him away while they operated on me but as far as I knew he was there the whole time right next to my face and um yeah he's lived in three different countries with me and yeah he's gone everywhere he's come a long way so in a sense he's the ultimate migrant isn't he with you (laughs) yeah actually it's really funny you mentioned this the other day so my mum got like 10 issues of Nansen to give to friends and family and she gave one to her hairdresser because he's been her hairdresser like at least my entire life and he runs a salon and you know people can read it in the in the salon well he emailed me the other day to say what he thought of the magazine and stuff and and then he said can you make the next issue about Larry so it's funny you mention that. You are not the only person who would like a magazine about Larry. I can see him on the front cover. Yeah, we'll have to think about it. I don't know if he has mass appeal, but we're a pretty niche magazine anyway, so maybe there are 500 people who want to read about Larry. Well, he's very huggable, even though his neck's a bit wobbly. Yeah. Vanessa, thank you so much for speaking to me for Auspicious Plastic. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. That's it for another episode of Auspicious Plastic. Huge thanks to my guest or guests for their time and willingness to share their ideas and stories about the things that they love. And massive thanks also to gifted music composer and musician Jeremy Conlon, aka Cooper Black, for creating the auspicious music theme for this podcast. You can find the full complement of his music online at cooperblack.bandcamp.com. And if you'd like to share your story with me or get in touch, please email me at hello at themeganspencer.com or you can visit my website, themeganspencer.com. And thank you too, auspicious listener. I'm grateful for your time, attention and feedback. My name's Megan Spencer and you've been listening to Auspicious Plastic. It's a podcast made about precious objects, made with love and dedicated to my mother Margaret. Until next time.